Okay, what's up everybody? Welcome back to the pod. It's been about two weeks. It feels a little bit longer than that. I'm here with Scott. I'm here with Pedro. This is the real rundown. How you guys been? Scott, what's new? You know, I've been waiting by my microphone for the past two weeks, waiting for you two to show up on my screen. So I guess the time I waited, it was well worth it. Oh, totally worth it. Totally worth it. Pedro, what's going on? How's how's uh, how's Florida? Florida's Florida. I just outed Pedro. <laughs> the question is, which coast is it on? We never, we'll never know. We are uh, here in New York. We're kind of. It, it feels like we're in the uh, the Blade Runner movie with this orange fog, sort of just covering the whole city. Um, but it seems to be seems to be leaving us now, which is great. We can breathe. Um, cool, cool. So let's kick off the show. Let's kick off the show because I want to I wanna talk about a movie that I saw recently. This is not main topic or anything, but I want to take a... I, I, I want to go first in the roundtable this, this week just because I saw this old flick, old from 2013, called Coherence. Uh, this movie is recommended to me by a friend just sort of out of the blue. We were talking, talking about... Uh, what movies we've seen and what to watch and whatnot. Uh, Coherence is on Amazon Prime. You can watch it for free. And have you guys seen Coherence? Heard of it? I heard of it, and I think a while ago I tried. I like turned it on and tried giving it a chance, but I wasn't really into it, or I was busy. I don't know, but I, I think I started it up and never, never went went ahead with it. I've not seen it. It can be a little off-putting because it is a low-budget movie, and you can tell there's not really much much going on in terms of lighting, directing, or, or shooting. It's all pretty low-budget, but if you stick with it, it's pretty good. It's about a group of friends who get together for a dinner at, at someone's house, and there's a meteor sort of flying over that part of the country. I think they're... I can't remember if there's somewhere in California, I think. Um and then as the media is going over them, it sort of becomes a to- topic of conversation. But weird things start to happen, like none of their phones suddenly work. Eventually they lose power. And then some of them venture out when they see another house a few blocks away that has power. They go they go over there to make a phone call. Um, and then they kind of come back and they report that they saw some folks there. But the folks at the other house look just like them. They're kind of doppelgangers. Um, and it gets into this whole sort of mystery about like who's who. Um, there's a sense of betrayal and sort of acting before the other people act. So it gets a little tribal. Um, it gets a little weird and a little bit confusing. But it's uh, I really liked it. It reminds me of stuff like The Twilight Zone, um, which I really love. So. If you have Amazon Prime, Coherence is the name. Go check it out. Go check it out. Did it turn more into a, like a character study or did it lean more on the supernatural element of the story? It focused more on the on the actual characters. It didn't really get into like the comment or the why or anything like that. It yeah, was... I, think th- I think that's probably why I couldn't get into it because I think I probably started watching it for the sci-fi element. But what I saw, yes, and we're getting to that. The sci-fi element is more of like 
the foundation for the piece. It's like the setting, the setup. It and then it's sort of like how do these people behave in this scenario? I'm curious. I'm looking at the IMDb, and there's four people that are their titles in the movie are extra. Yeah, I saw that too, and I was like, I don't remember seeing any of these guys. To be honest, <laughs> uh, what it could be, they might be just like uh, the back of a doppelganger. So this uh, Alexis Sterling, she might play the doppelganger of Emily Baldini, for example. I'm not sure because they don't. It's just those characters, um, unless I'm mistaken. Usually, I would think they would have like imposter number one or they would have some kind of number other than just having extra so the movie was shot uh, at a single location it was shot over the course of five nights uh what's another cool thing about it is that um the director he kind of just gave each person some basic direction for each day and they improved everything else um and you can kind of tell like a after you watch it it's a little bit you know, I don't want to say sloppy, but it, it feels like you're watching something different other than like a scripted movie. Was it like kind of like spacey and a lot of pauses? Like, all right, someone was thinking about the next line and I wasn't very quick with their response. No, no. Between. It's the opposite. It's actually a little messy because there's so many people and you kind of get the sense that they all want to talk. Uh, so it does get a little bit messy. There are a couple of, you know, questionable plot points overall it's just good it's just cool i think i was just impressed seeing something different and again like i said i'm a big fan of the twilight zone and things like that um so i really liked it i've been uh catching uh, as just so everyone knows i have max i i officially i'm a max subscriber Welcome. Uh, thank you i've i've been using it to the max so far with uh catching up with succession uh i'm almost through the final episode a lot of talking amongst all of the uh all the kids trying to figure out their head to their you know what of what's going on or what they should be doing so it's the same you know craziness that from the very beginning of the season up until now so you're a few weeks be you're about a week or two behind the finale had you were you you able to avoid all the spoilers and everything Yes, that was very easy because I don't read any of those websites. So I was it was very easy for me to be clueless of what was going on week to week. Okay. When are you watching the finale? This week? Uh, probably uh, later tonight or tomorrow. So I, I think I know what happens in the end, but I'm just keeping myself clueless to it being true. What it, What's your guess? Uh, I have an idea of who's going to be the, uh, leading the company and it's probably the last person that you would probably, I think from what I've been told, it's probably the last person that you would think. I just love the dynamic of Greg being like, you know, going after him. It's like, there was one scene where he was told to get coffee. He's like, I'm beyond getting coffee. Yeah, like, no, yeah. no, 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 no. You are tonight. And it's the whole thing about this election. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and the craziness of it. So. I'm not going to give too much away for those who haven't been watching it, but it's the same craziness. Okay. Pedro, what's going on with you? Uh, I've been watching, a, I watched a, a lot of things uh, over the last couple of days, like over the weekend. Uh, 
been watching some documentary series on different platforms. Uh, the very latest one I saw was uh, the, the Age of Influence on Hulu. It's a documentary series about uh, influencers that sort of made it big and like uh, controversies and stories behind them. I only saw one episode of that. Uh, the episode I saw was called Fiber Feud. It was uh, episode three, and that was about these two like uh, Instagram influencers who went on this huge like feud and like were just like really tossing dirt at each other, doing a lot of nasty stuff. Um, one of them was a lady who started a diet uh, company, like a trendy diet uh, called F Factor. It was like a high fiber diet to help people uh, lose weight, get back in shape, blah, blah, blah. But uh, after a while, a couple people started getting sick from eating this type of diet. Um, and there was this other influencer who kept like uh, reposting all the messages that she was getting from some of these people that were having bad experiences and bad reactions to this diet. And that led to a that led to a feud between her and the founder of the of the diet, who was also a, an influencer online. And they were just going back and forth, back and forth, like really bad, nasty stuff. La lawsuits happened, like people came out claiming different things. So it was interesting. Uh, and if anyone, I, I assume it would be like more interesting for people who actually followed these things and like you know, knew about it while it was going on on social media. I wasn't aware of this stuff, uh, but I'm sure if, like, this came across people's feeds or anything, it'd be really interesting. Yeah, I feel like a lot of these things, uh, so this is episodic, I presume, but I feel like a lot of these influencers sort of exist in, like, little bubbles with the pe their followers, I guess, and then there's some overlap with with you know, other influences in the same kind of vertical. And then it creates like beef and drama or collaborations or whatever. It's a weird little world. Um, so you like the series? Yeah, I saw that one episode. I'll I'll probably check out a couple more episodes, uh, see what's up. Um, another another show I've been watching is The Price of Glee. It's the documentary on, uh, on the show Glee. It's on ID HBO. And the only reason I found it is because when I uh, when I opened up the Max app and all this content was thrown in my face right away, uh, content that I wasn't aware of or that I wouldn't look at look for, uh, Glee from the ID channel showed up. You're not an avid investigative discovery channel watcher. Not avid, but I. I I respect their content because I'm into like true crime and all these this stuff when it comes to documentary series. So, uh, but yeah, it's interesting. I, I've never seen the series. I've never I never seen the show, but the trailer was really good and it made me curious. And I, I mean, from the trailer alone, they tell you that like three of the cast members like died, and everyone there was young. So that kind of piqued my curiosity. I'm just like, okay, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. We, we, we talked about ID once on a show. I think maybe Scott, you brought up, and we were like, where the hell are we going to watch? Oh, you know what it was? It was that uh, Subway Jared, documentary. 
Jared Subway. Subway, I believe, is an ID. And that's also on Max now. So now that's on Max front page. Yeah. So there's all these shows that no one ever watched and they're just able to just rebrand it like, oh, here's a documentary that aired two years ago or last year on, on regular TV and people don't know the difference that it was on the channel ID. Yeah, they make like a nice Photoshop poster for it. There you go. <laughs> it looks like it's a new documentary. It's but it's also on the front page mixed with a bunch of other stuff. So you don't know if it's like HBO or something else until like the... The, the, the opening light shots start happening and you get that ID logo. It's all about repackaging because if someone told you, oh, this documentary is on Lifetime and then you go and you see it on Netflix, like, oh, I'm going to watch this. Oh, by the way, it was on Lifetime. What? It was? No way. It's, it's all about how you look at it and where you're watching it and you give it more credit if it's on, if it's being uh, shown on something else. But I, uh, I watched, I, I, what I didn't mention is that I was watching a 30 for 30, which I don't really watch that much, but they did a 30 for 30 about uh, the syndicated show, American Gladiators. Oh my God. Yeah. And, and how it came yeah. about that. Uh, it was, and it was created by this guy, Johnny Ferrero, who was at the very beginning. It starts off like, are you going to be telling the real story? He was like all concerned about how they were going to tell the story behind American gladiators. And this guy was actually, when you look at him, you, it makes you think like, is this guy an Elvis impersonator? And then they sh eventually show that he was, and he wanted to go to Hollywood to do a show about, you know, you know, very strong hero looking people. And it eventually turned into the American gladiators. And they interviewed quite a bit of these people that were on the show both contestants and the gladiators themselves and you see where they are now in their life and it's basically like they're living in basements or roommates so it's their claim to fame pretty much stopped i can't wait to show so they're like they're like 80s 90s wrestlers yeah Pr pretty much yeah yes i used to be such a big fan of american gladiators and I used to watch it. I think it used to come on when I watched it. It was like channel eleven or five, at like one p from like it had like a one hour block. It was a weekend show, I think. Yeah, it was so much fun, man. Um, did you watch? So, did you watch the remake version of it? I think it was on NBC. Yeah, I didn't like it. Um, there wasn't the Rock like the host of that or something. Oh. I don't. I don't know. If it was the Rock. It was uh, what's his name. The one that can't, the, who's the WWE or the WWF wrestler that, that, who kept on saying brother? Hulk Hogan? Yes, yeah, he, I think he did it. It got to be a joke because he kept on going, let's contend, let's announce that contestant's brother. It's just got like, all right, the brother thing is getting old, really old. I got to check that out because I'm a, I'm a big fan of the 30 for 30 and ESPN docs, but I, I missed that one somehow. Where did you see it? I went to that. Uh, I have my my Bible website that shows what all the premieres are for on regular TV, and then I set my DVR, and it magically appears in my list of recordings. Okay, uh, so I'm gonna have to track that down. You also reminded me there was a kids version of that show on Nickelodeon, I think called Guts. Oh, that was yeah, that was something. Yeah, that was completely different with uh, with. Uh, but it was like similar uh, physical it was similar. show. I, I, I was the yeah, yeah. kids version of it, but it was similar. yes, yeah, yeah. I was with with Mo well. with Mo uh, 
the uh, the ref from the Ukraine. <laughs> How's your boy uh, Nitro doing these days? <laughs> <laughs> that's the only that's the only name I remember from that. What about Blazer or Laser? Yeah. Laser, laser, night storm. Yeah, love those guys. Okay, I'm gonna have to track that down. If you're a Hulu subscriber, it may be on Hulu, but it's it's part of uh, ESPN. Yeah. Okay, and if you have the Disney bundle, you could check it on ESPN Plus. They got all the thirty for thirties out there. Thunder was another guy. Thunder, Thunder. There it is. I used to always rem. I I remember the one like obstacle I remember from that is when they. The two competitors would stand on a platform. Oh yeah, have these two huge, like Q-tip looking things. Where oh, that, like, is that joust? Joust each other, or when they go up against the gladiator and just get destroyed, <laughs> like one hit and they're gone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one, two, three, goodbye, and they they, they just like float in the air because they're all attached to a harness. Or the are do they actually? Fall? No, they were not. No, they were not. Actually, do fall on that one. They just fell on some uh, a hard pits or something. Yeah, and like the foam pits. But, uh, oh, what? I, I like it... in the the last challenge too, where they have to go through the race course and uh, fight in each each sort of obstacle. There's like a gladiator there, like doing some hitting you with a Nerf gun or something. Are they literally? <laughs> are they <laughs> like a no, mile away? Are they literally just take you and they just throw you off the mountain? It's like bye. Yeah, yeah. I some try. Really physical. Yeah. Uh, I will check that out for sure. Um, yeah, it's if you go on ESPN. Uh, they tell you it's on there how to watch it. So it's a two-part series, just FYI. Um, Scott, you know what else I wanted to mention? I ended up, uh, I ended up watching Jury Duty, the Mark Madsen show on Freevo, Freevee, Freevee. You know what? I gave that show a chance after you mentioned it because I do like those kind of like shows, and I just I couldn't I couldn't finish it. It couldn't it didn't hold my attention. But then I gave it a second chance. I don't know why. I think I was bored and I was like, oh, this, it reminded, you know, when you watch a show, but you don't finish it, it's always there, <laughs> like the homepage. So I was like, all right, I'll check this out. And I ended up like binging a couple episodes. I just kind of had it on in the background. Uh, but it, it turned out to be pretty good. Uh, I actually liked it because then you get to, you learn more about the characters. Um, there's not a huge payoff or anything. They're kind of just like, hey, by the way, this is all fake. And he's like, oh. Okay, uh, but it was cool. It, it it it's worth it just to see like how they kind of script some of those like the entire basically you know week and a half or three weeks that he's there. There's one scene in particular where a guy, a friend of his from jury duty, sees him and he's like, "Hey, hey, talk to my girlfriend because I got in trouble because of whatever." And his girlfriend breaks up with him over the phone. It's like, "Tell him that we're through." And the character whose girlfriend he spoke to, he was like, hey, so did she say anything? And he's like, oh, no, no. He kind of, the main character tries to minimize it. But he wanted him to admit that she broke up with him, but he refused to, like, give this guy the bad news. And and that's where you can kind of see through the curtain a little bit. They're really trying to get him to say what they want him to say. Uh, but he was like, I'm not getting involved. I'm not saying anything. He was like, yeah, maybe you should call her. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Uh, it was too honest and nice. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So let's pivot a little bit. Today we're going to talk about uh, two things. One of them is 
um, you know, last week we mentioned, or last episode we mentioned a documentary that we had seen on YouTube. Um, after watching that documentary, I was kind of recommended some other U- uh, YouTube documentaries. And we're going to talk about one of those today. It's called Keys to the City uh, Chronicles of a New York Locksmith. It's a New Yorker documentary, short documentary, is about 30, 35 minutes or so. Um, and then we're going to talk about with our main topic is going to be um, reality, a new film on HBO Max. Max. Um, so we had discussed like, you know, Pedro, you, you brought up that you wanted to find some documentaries to, to watch. And I think my hesitation with documentaries these days is that they're all episodic and you need to, you need like eight hours to get through a story. And so finding these you know, you found the documentary we discussed on the last podcast, and that was fantastic. So I think, you know, finding these old, you know, I, I feel like the the format, it, I don't know, it feels outdated now because everything's episodic, but I really like, I like this uh, this uh, documentary a lot. What did you, what did you think? Well, I like, I like the fact that, uh, and like you said, you know, you, you're being recommended more stuff from the YouTube algorithm, but uh, it seems to me like a lot of these publishers are uh, foregoing like really short content and going towards longer uh, online content. Yeah. Like this, this one you said was like, what was it, 35 or? It's about 30, so? 35 minutes, yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's not a quick, it's not a quick session where it's, where it's a short, very short form video. It's still short because it's under an hour, but it's something that'll plop you down and sit you down. And maybe, you know, if you find it on your phone, you might be like, oh, let me cast it to my TV and sit down and watch this for a minute because they get to go uh, a little more uh, in depth with the story. They tell the story. And they say, don't... And say a little more. They don't rush it or anything. So I... I... I just want to provide a little bit of context and just a background on, on what this is. So Keys to the City Chronicles of a New York Locksmith. It's basically about a locksmith who is on the, he's about to retire and he's training his young protege. They they both work at this uh, at this shop who is run by a character named or a person named Tony who's like this classic old school Brooklyn Italian guy. Uh, Matthew is is the, the our main character, and then George is the protege. Um, I like this doc a lot. It was, <clears throat> I feel like it's it's told in a way that you don't see a lot of documentaries told these days, where it's extremely passive. You're kind of just there watching what's happening. There's no one talking to the camera, telling you how to feel or telling you really how they feel so directly, uh, or giving you. Uh, a point of view that that you might sort of feel attached to. It's very passive in that way, where you're just kind of watching these characters live their lives. Um, you, we, I just felt like kind of an observer, as you kind of see George warm up to to Matthew over the course of the weeks that they were together. Um, I just found that relationship to be extremely real. It was just the trust that passing along the baton that you're used to doing things your own way and having to give off the rein to someone new 
that comes from a different perspective and a generation and even the owner of the company had to go, look, you need to let him learn and not do everything. If he does it wrong, then you correct him. Mm -hmm. But don't do it for him. Otherwise, he's not going to be able to make the dis make the mistakes. And that was something that he had to, you know, get himself to realize whether he liked it or not. Yeah. Um, I don't want to speak too much. Um, Pedro, what did you think of, of this stuff? Uh, I like, I like the, I like the format. Like you said, the Verite style where there's no, uh, narrator or anything. It's, uh, following these characters along and just telling their stories, uh, letting them tell their stories and showing it that that's actually the style of, that's actually the style of documentary that got me way back when into like documentary filmmaking and uh, all this stuff. You know, it's one of my one of my favorites. Uh, so it was nice seeing seeing it, seeing this uh, documentary shot in that style, produced in that style. It's it's funny because it's a, a locksmith, especially a locksmith in a big, huge city like New York. It's not a it's not a profession or like a job that you think about. You know, it's not something that shows up very often, especially because they're mostly mom and pop. Uh, owned there aren't uh, a lot of like I don't know corporate uh, chains or something for yeah they're pretty small for locksmiths it's usually a neighborhood thing it's usually a mom and pop shop they all kind of look the same they look like a hardware store when you walk exactly by. yeah a so lot of them just, are hardware stores yeah and you just walk by and ignore it and stuff but it's cool to see uh you know these two different perspectives from these two people uh that performed this job and you know how they're actually getting by because you don't think about it you would think like oh someone's a locksmith like nah, that's not a good business like nobody but like mm -hmm. a city like new york where tens of thousands of people move every day and like you just think about the moving aspect of it tens of thousands of people moving every day and like let's say like at least half of those people decide to change the locks on their door they're gonna call like their local locksmith of the neighborhood they moved it and you got to see all kinds you know you think of a locksmith you think like you said hey i, I just got these new keys or i need new keys for my new tenant but the doors and situations that they find themselves in it's like holy cow there's so many types of doors and entryways and all these things that they need to solve yeah. for yeah and it's not just it's not just like someone at an apartment or a house who needs it. it's like you know it's like a factory or that mm -hmm. you know got broken into or a place that wants like better security, a business or something. So yeah. it, it was interesting to see these two characters being followed. Um, I like the element of this man's retirement, like lingering over the entire story. Yeah. How they Cause finish. it opens with him in Georgia retired yeah. already. Yeah. So it opens with it. So, you know, that's eventually what's going to happen. Then tells you the story of like, I guess it's like his final, like couple months or years on the job or whatever. Um, sort of teaching this 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 new this new guy, and then leading up to his retirement, and then at the end showing him back in Georgia, um, in his retirement. I thought it was you know I thought it was really nice. Uh, I thought the the guy that uh, he was teaching the younger guy was like sure. another yeah he was like he's a classic classic New York guy. He's like cigarette on the side of his mouth, yeah, uh, smoking the way he talks and everything. And, it was nice to see that he followed his uh, 
he he followed through with his uh, intentions, and at the end, you know, they show yeah. him in his new shop with his wife and kid, and then they cut back yeah. to Tony, the OG locksmith, still in his shop in Brooklyn. So, seemed to work out for everyone. I I didn't really, I couldn't really read. Uh, the retired, uh, what's his name? Matthew. Matthew's uh, emotions at the end. I didn't know if he was like happy of retiring and moving down south or like if he was kind of like he still wanted to in on the action. He seemed like he was a little caught up. So they might have caught him like right as right after he he had retired like and was still getting used to it. I think that uh, they showed him in his bedroom where he missed the camaraderie he missed the job but then right afterwards they showed him in another environment that he wasn't really able to be a part of when working they showed up with his family and he was extra happy so he was forgetting about those times of working that were challenging and it just like it was like a whole nother uh another life yeah yeah it's another part of his life that we didn't see until the very end i'm glad that he has that because the beginning you know it opens with him like playing darts in his yard and he makes a phone call to tony just asking how business is and tony's like well it's pretty quiet nobody really comes to the shop anymore and then it cuts it jumps back six years so when we jump back to present in the end it's because you get the feeling that you know the the scene the vibe is very somber so it's good to see him like with with a family there um i really liked the relationship with uh, Matthew and and Tom and uh, George, too. Uh, so there's two two sound bites that you know they don't express too much, but they do. At one point, where George's coming from kind of like a tough background, he expresses that he's a he's grateful for his time with Matthew because he's never had like a father figure or anyone really like teaching him anything before. So this is like a, a dynamic in a relationship that was new to him and. He was grateful for that. And then there's another scene with Matthew where he's sort of being reflective. And he's saying, you know, when you're young, you're always just looking ahead. Everything is possible. When you're old, you get closer to God. And he, at that point, was like in between those two. He, I mean, he knew he was sort of in the end, but to have that kind of awareness... Um, I thought was is really telling about like how these characters were feeling in that in that mo- those moments. Really that dis- six year jump you mentioned that caught me by surprise. Yep, and it made like at first I'm like, is that true or are they just like sort of like trying to paint a narrative on here? And that's what it felt like to me that they were painting a narrative because it was too quick. It was like, I don't really know if it was really six years because they had that sequence where they had each person coming to the door saying thank you. So that seemed yeah. like that was a, a fabrication so, of it. I can speak to that a little bit. So yes, that introduction where they have each person speaking to camera, those were actors. Um, the six-year jump is real. I actually looked up you know, I found Gio. Uh, I found George on IG. He he runs his business. He actually does a lot, tons of video content. And then I found the director on IG. And just going through his stuff, he does have stuff from six years ago where he's in the field with these guys. 
Um, so I think they shot it six years ago, and then they just went back recently to catch up with these characters. Yeah, I don't know exactly, but I wonder why it was, or what the reason was that it was just on the back burner for six six years, you know? Because they could have easily just held it for a couple of months, and that at the end of the year, filmed the present day stuff, and then been like, okay, this is, you know, it would be a jump back to like a year or a few months, it wouldn't just be a huge jump back to six years. So that's kind yeah. of interesting. Who knows? It could be that the footage was locked away or something or the company yeah. decided not to use it or the publisher just put it on back burn and then they said, we need content or who knows. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows but all, all that kind of, it confused me at first, but it made me, it made me stick with it. The whole, yeah, yeah. Uh, face to camera and everything i'm like okay where's this going right now i wasn't a particular fan of the face to camera stuff because by the end of the by the end of the documentary like i even forgot about that until you guys like re-mentioned it right now yeah because it, it didn't really serve a much of a purpose for me with those other those actors and the face doing the face to camera stuff i really liked there's two two i mean i liked a lot of it there's a, I really like the opening scene with Tony at the shop where he's a, ca a customer calls to inquire about how much keys cost. And he just has that classic conversation. It's so good, man. Um, and then there's, then there, then, then, didn't someone ask like, do you sell keys here? And they're showing B-roll. He goes, no, we don't have any keys here. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of like a wise guy, like, uh, goofing around with his customers playing, playing around with them. And then there's another scene where George is uh, fixing someone's lock in their home, and he's talking about how you s he gets to see people in as they really live, um, and in these intimate kind of in their most intimate place, right in their home. And he has like an exchange with with his family. Um, so really, really good uh, documentary that's on YouTube on the New Yorker channel. It's called Keys to the City: Chronicles of the New York Locksmith. Um, okay, so we're going to take a quick commercial break. <laughs> I was just kidding. We don't have any money. I was, uh, I, I was going to say like, wait, do we have a, like a surprise announcement sponsor? I, I was watch. I was listening back to the first episode and I did use, I used to put like a sound effect as like a transitional sound effect. Maybe I'll bring that back. Did we really like really bring down the budget that we're not using that free, that free transition? It's like, no. Um, but I, I want to segue, that was a terrible segue to our, our main main topic here, which is reality. Reality, which you can watch on Max, I think it just came out around late May, a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago maybe. Uh, it basically profiles the arrest of 25-year-old Air Force linguist and NSA contractor reality winner, uh, that's her real name who leaked classified information pertaining to the Russian interference in the 2016 election. Um, so before I dive into this, were you guys aware of this person, this story at all? Like we probably all heard of it in passing at the time, but were you sort of like aware that the film was about this person? I thought it was about, I thought it was about someone in a reality show because I said reality. Cause and her last her. name is Winner, so yes. reality yeah. winner. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a weird. I knew from just from watching the trailer, you know, it does give away. I kind of knew what it was. I didn't connect it to any story from 2016, so I didn't really know what it was about or what was going to happen. 
Um, yeah, I don't remember seeing the story on the news or anything. Uh, I know there's there was a lot of like whistleblower stuff going on at that time and in the last couple of years, but this particular story I do not remember at all. And I don't I don't remember this person and the trailer got me very curious when you sent it to me because I didn't know since I didn't know the story, I didn't know that's what this was gonna lead to. Um mm-hmm. but the trailer also like has a lot of imagery and a lot of stuff that throws you a curveball sort of uh and kind of like leads you the the wrong way to what eventually gets revealed as the as the movie goes on uh the movie stars sydney sweeney who plays the lead character um she's from i'm blanking right now scott where's she from she's from euphoria on hbo and she's from uh what's that what's that other show white lotus season one so she's she's uh, known for those two shows, and then Josh Hamilton and uh, Marshawn Davis play play the two FBI agents. So it's a very small cast. Uh, it's based on a play, apparently, and the play is based off basically like a single audio file of transcript that um, fr- from this um, interrogation. It's not an interrogation, is it? An arrest. Um. So. Scott, let's lead off with you. Just give us, you know, your uh, impression when the credits rolled. What were you thinking? I was thinking it was very slow paced. There was a lot of uh, conversations back and forth, a lot of a lot of dialogue. Particularly, there was a big obsession about the dog, <laughs> and a big obsession about the dog Is the dog going to be hurtful you know should we should we keep her on that should we go inside should we just go inside first should we usually it was like a lot of arguing about a situation but i kept on wondering why she never asked to see uh any of the paperwork the warrant she never asked to see the warrant at all because they kept on asking did you show her the warrant no should we show her the warrant we will it was just arguing about how they handle the situation yeah yeah it was it was kind of like a dangling carrot there um but you liked it how did you feel about it uh i found myself doing other things while watching it because it was just a lot very dialogue heavy not very a lot dialogue heavy. so it kept my attention throughout and it made more sense at the end when i was reading uh the backstory the backstory at the end where it makes sense to me as far as what the outcome of this story was and how it affect uh as far as whistleblowing is concerned it made more sense to me but i think i went into it not really knowing what it was about and just letting it play out while watching it uh but i i thought it was well done overall pedro what what did you think yeah man kept me interesting kept me interested the whole time from beginning to end uh you know me like i've said before on the show i love like a dangling carrot in front of me and a story that just starts straight into the story with you know all the wheels just rolling so that's the type of stuff that keeps me uh sitting and watching and you know the whole time from beginning to end i was just curious as to what it is that she did what it is they're you know searching her for this and that um i love the the how tense 
the atmosphere was. I love how confusing yeah. everything was, how the characters were very awkward. And very polite, right? They were very polite about everything. It's, yeah, it's like they were trying to stay within protocol. Like, she knew what was going on. You know, she wasn't surprised when they pulled up. She she, she knew it was going to be like a matter of time before they investigated her and stuff. And that they didn't know what they were dealing with. The FBI agents, they didn't know if she was, you know, if she was dangerous, if she was violent, what was going on. So it was just the dynamic between the between the characters was just it was very weird and creepy yeah just uh but it it, it got annoying at some points but the fact that this is uh they're calling it at least for me it showed up as a docudrama Mm -hmm. um so i i'm assuming it's based on reality and based on the tapes on the audio recordings they sound exactly like that yeah it's a hundred percent that audio recordings this was not scripted yeah, they it, so everyone on that audio recording and in the movie they just sound like very confused and weird and not sure. Like it's kind of like a game of chess, you know, waiting for someone else to give something and someone else to give a little and that move on to that. So they kept on they kept on emphasizing like, can you do you have your phone? It's completely voluntary, you know. It's completely voluntary. It's completely voluntary. Right, right. It was very procedural, but at the same time very drawn out. I can't remember how many times they said the cat's on the bed or under the bed, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, what was up with the cat? Um, but from a filmmaker's standpoint, I guess you just get these transcripts and this is just on paper. So then how do you communicate that to to real life? You know, you kind of have to fill in a lot of gaps. But they did a great job creating a style of, like, who these people are, how they dress, how they talk, um, and how they sort of, communicate and stand near each other there's a point later in the film where they eventually show her the the warrant and the second fbi agent taylor he's like right on her right he's giving her like no space to breathe he's like towering over her as she's finally holding the document um there were a couple other things i really liked um so anytime they were mentioning the intercept or or that sensitive information they were redacted but on a on a document it's redacted with like just a, a black bar over it but in this case they would like remove the person from the room with like a in like a static effect and you know speaking more to what you guys saying like it, the the whole movie has this very like unsettling feeling from the moment they knock on her window and like ask her to come out of the car because no one knows kind of it feels like no one knows what's going on it feels like it's like invasion of the body snatchers with the with the agents right they don't feel like they're not behaving like normal people and then when they finally get her in the room they ask her is there a room where we can speak privately uh because they're outside she says yes there's a room i don't like going in there because it's empty so they go into this blank white room and that's where this most of the second part of the half take of the film takes place and as the interrogation and the questioning is intensifying the camera gets closer on her face and the edges of the screen begin to blur as if you know she's feeling like suffocated um and you get like this the rising tension is really well done in the movie and like 
that's like a lot of the major props is to uh, the actress Sydney Sweeney who just feels like she just wants to get the hell out of there. Yeah, her uh, facial expressions crazy. throughout the film, and then while I'm watching this, I'm just thinking like, however long it took to film film the movie, like you know whatever, let's say three weeks or whatever. This was like three straight weeks of her with those expressions on her face because <laughs> yeah. a lot of the movie is just the tense look on people's faces. I'm like, yeah. damn, she she had to hold those looks for like weeks at a time while the film was being uh, while the movie was being filmed. You mentioned the empty room, and I think it's a good thing to point out that. And I didn't know it was based on a play until you just mentioned it, but now it makes perfect sense because the entire movie took place in three different... There were just three different scenes, right? Her pulling... Like, the outside of the house, her kitchen, when they go in the house, and then the empty room. Yeah, pretty much. And there were no more than, what, four characters that actually, like, talk and have a presence. Right. There's the, the three three main characters, and then there's another agent that... Yeah, the guy that's just going around and stuff. Looking for the cat. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was interesting. And the 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 empty room is one of the things that threw me off. Uh because I until they started mentioning the intercept and all that, I was still, you know, drawing a blank as to what this was about. Uh um, right. with all the curveballs they kept throwing. But did you guys did either of you guys figure it out beforehand or were you guys no, I pieced like. I pieced it together with her, I guess, as they revealed stuff. Then at the end, I was like, okay, yeah, I think I do remember this story kind of vaguely, um, but I didn't follow it closely um, in the news. I kind of, um, and I think that's a good way to watch without without really knowing anything. Um, so I was I was wrong, but I thought as I was watching the movie that she was harboring like. A terrorist or something oh because yes. they kept showing like one she's a translator right they showed like a they showed a prayer rug they showed like some arabic writing uh on her wall on her walls uh, and then she had this empty room and when they started mentioning the empty room i'm like that's probably where she's hiding this person that she's hiding or where she's holding these like meetings or something mm-hmm. but I, I was way off <laughs> Yeah, she's just a regular person. But it made it seem, like I said, the imagery and like some of the stuff around her house, it made me think like maybe this, you know, maybe this is related to some sort of terrorist organization or something. There was one part in the movie that I actually broke out laughing because I was confused and just like it was kind of like a what the what the F moment when they're interrogating her. There's still agents in the house taking photos etc and then someone opens the door while they're in the right white room and goes is this a room i don't know is that a room? <laughs> yeah that was right? i was like what is that you don't see I, them you just hear them <laughs> yeah it was kind of like a i think that's just showing the disconnect between the agents and what they were doing like the two main agents were there to interrogate her and you know get the truth out of her and talk to her the other guys are just like wandering around the house like yeah. doing other stuff but they're not communicating as a team the fbi agents and it's like they've been in that room already for a while and this guy just found it you know <laughs> yeah yeah i can't i'm just 
you know, that had to be that had to be in the audio record. Exactly. So like that, because every once in a while they bring up, you know, the audio They actually have like the the name of the file and everything. I don't know if that's accurate, but um, it kind of takes you out of it a little bit and it makes you recall that this is like a real thing that happened like in real time, I guess, in a way. Um, By the end of the movie, I just felt like what they got her for was it was like so petty because at the end of the movie, they mentioned that I think like a couple days later, like Congress or some something came out and like basically revealed what she mm-hmm. revealed to the intercept. Yeah. So and, and what she revealed wasn't even a big deal. It was just like, OK, there's solid proof that Russia interfered in the elections. That they were tampering in the election. Yeah, they, Russia apparently. I think, from my understanding, they were they were trying to hack the software company that that uh, for the elect for the election machines, and they were also trying to f- sending like phishing emails to uh, Congress members of Congress. Yeah, yeah, who ran the elections. But yeah, it didn't seem it. It, it was it just it wasn't like. Of course, it was classified information, but it was just her revealing that the government has proof. Because I, I don't know, I guess at that time, it was being mentioned in the news. Constantly, but, yeah. But they they make a point of that. But there wasn't solid proof or the government hadn't come out and said that 100%. She, there's a point. Where she mentions that, like, it, in the room in the office where she works, they just play Fox News all day nonstop. And she's like, I, I, I wrote them, I, I wrote letters to management, attempt to turn it off. It's driving me crazy. And then it shows clips, not just of Fox News, but of different uh, media, uh, media channels talking about what you just said, right? Like going back and forth. Did they hack? Did they not? Blah, blah, blah. So she. She even goes, why couldn't they just put on like the animal channel or something uh, while we work so we don't have to like be barraged with this with this stuff, especially frustrating knowing that she's like, I know the truth. I can just shut all the noise up, you know, just quiet all this noise if I just put this document out there. Um, Granted, like that's not really how things work and it didn't really work out in her favor anyway because after the fact, Congress on the right was just ruthlessly attacking her as as anti-American. Um, but I thought that was kind of like sad in a way. Um, and I don't know what was going through her head. A lot of the movie, the, the FBI agents, they're asking her why, like why, why, why did you do that? And I still haven't really got a clear answer. Um, it just... Yeah, it's, it, it seemed like one of the main things of the interrogation, like they already knew what she did they had all the proof and everything they were just there to fight they they really just wanted to know on a personal level why what drove her to it why and i forgot about the scenes of her at the office but you know even though they were few and far between and very short they they were very important to the story because like you said it just shows this like environment at her job where she's sitting literally in front of a tv at her desk and you know this these emotions are just boiling up inside of her with all this stuff that's being 
told or denied or being argued in the public spectrum where she's like she just had enough you know and i think she and i think that's what she ends up revealing at some point in one of the scenes she's just like i i just had enough no, like i couldn't take it anymore this kind of stuff gets leaked all the time to the press and you know i also read that she leaked it to the intercept but they never protected her as a source. You know, in journalism, you protect your sources. They let her name get out there, and that's how she got really caught. Yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to read an article or two about what happened because that that's something that, like you said, that they did mention. Uh, so I, I, I'm now I'm curious as to like behind the scenes, like what happened with. The intercept that publication how her name got out how they found out how they how the government tracked the intercept and stuff so is that yeah. i mean they, they they're the guys that work with like julian assange and WikiLeaks and everything exactly yeah you know they you think they're like super classified that like super careful about all their stuff so i'm kind of curious as to about what happened behind the scenes with that yeah check it out i think they actually came out and took full responsibility for for letting her name get out um, but yeah, this movie's good because at the end, going in, you don't know anything, but then you become like kind of invested in the story and the characters. And so, yeah, great, good movie to really, you know, to see, to learn the story and just like to have a conversation with somebody about it. it's really a, a good movie for that. Okay, we'll leave it there. Um, figure out what we're going to watch two weeks from now, but thanks for sticking around. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>